Coming up today on Abounding Grace. God loves music. It's a blessing to use music to praise the Lord and honor him. It's a blessing to use music, but the devil also understands the power of music. And so there's a constant battlefield when it comes to music. And it's being used. It's true that music has the power to motivate you in worship with great intensity, or as in Nebuchadnezzar we see, can cause you to fall down in idolatry. And it's my prayer that no one here underestimates the effect of music on your hearts, on your minds, and your souls. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my praise. That you would bear my cross. You Maybe you've heard a child say or said it yourself, no, I don't really listen to the lyrics. I just enjoy the music. Well, the truth of the matter is music does have the power to move us and influence us, even in ways we might not expect. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor takes us to Daniel chapter 3, where a king actually used music to move people to worship a false image. Let's hear all about it now. Everything you do is an act of worship toward God or something else. Worship is ascribing worth. And so in our fellowship, you can think of the things that we have. For example, even on our midweek Bible study, what do we have? We have an opportunity for you to gather before the service for fellowship to minister to people throughout the building that arrive early. That's worship. You have an opportunity to come into a room uh, at, a, at a specific time so that we have a worship leader to begin at a certain time and begin singing. You are invited to sing. And, and then we have outset before you the elements that represent communion, the broken body and the sh- of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus. And we invite you, partake in worship through communion. And then we stop and we take another direction in our service and we say, now is the time to pray. And these are the points that were laid upon the heart of one of our pastors or one of the men and women on our team here. And so we invite you to pray. And then we have a time, maybe a missionary update, and we invite you to support in prayer and perhaps financially the missionary. And then we have a time in Bible study and we invite you to worship God through studying his word and learning about his character and nature. And then there's time after. We don't lock the doors right away. There's time after. Uh, Your kids are downstairs. We invite you to go get your kids. We don't force you to. We invite you to. Go get your kids. But you can hang out. You'll be here for a while. So you can pray for one another, encourage one another, talk about the things of the Lord, maybe speak about what you learned in the message or what happened this week, and you're invited to participate. Nobody forces you. It's not forced worship here. It's an invitation You can join in the prayer, and you can join in the music, and you can join in the singing, and you can join in. We we probably need to mention it more often, but we we don't even mention the fact that God wants you to worship in your giving and the tithes and offerings. But there are boxes all over the, the, the room here that invite you to participate. A reminder, perhaps, on our social media that if you want to give online, you're invited to give online, but nobody forces you. We don't dig into your bank account or show up at your house when you're not there and dig through your drawers looking for your offering and your tithe. You're invited to participate. You're invited to participate when there's a call to repentance. 
You're invited to participate when there's a call to rededication. You're invited. You, you think sometimes, I, I know it gets pretty pedantic at times when we're reading through the announcements, but have you ever understood the announcements of any church service as an invitation to participate in the life of your church, in reaching the community, or serving within the context of the ministry here for the people that just show up or haven't been here, or, or you know, you give a, a coffee in the name of Jesus Christ to bless someone to draw them here in fellowship. It's all invitations. You're not forced to these things, but understand sometimes how you, how you feel and how you respond to these invitations. I, I think one of the most noticeable responses that we've seen lately, certainly not in this room now, but you know, we made a major drastic change led by the Holy Spirit here on a Wednesday night by committing a faithful time of dedicated prayer dedicated prayer. It's a beautiful thing. Prayer is from the Lord. We should pray. We, could, we can pray. We should pray. We should pray together. We should lift others' needs together. Uh, Ten minutes doesn't even seem like it's enough at times. So we have other prayer meetings. You know, prayer is just overtaken. We even have Pastor Avant who oversees and is praying about prayer. We got a pastor that prays about prayer and how God might stir us up. And some of you were a part of our midweek Bible study back when we started this, and you'll recall, although I have to say things are growing again and starting to grow again, it's been a couple years. We've been doing this for a couple years now or so. And I mean, back before we were, we were uh, praying together, just in a small group, back before that, I'd say the room here was probably more than half, perhaps even three-quarters full sometimes on our midweek Bible study. People were coming out, give me Bible study, give me song, give me Bible study, give me song. Oh, we're inviting you to pray. I don't want to pray. And it was, if you peaked, you shouldn't peek when you pray, but if you did, you'd see people walk out the door. And their response to the invitation was, I won't pray. That's what, when you walk out the door when there's a time of prayer and you don't pray, that's your, I won't pray. And we just needed to keep praying. If I was the last one in here, or Ian and I, or Ian Avan and I, or just a few of us were in here, we are committed to do what God has led us to do. We are committed to teach you that this is an important, vital part of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're here to help you understand that the church body here is an important part of your life. And so you just have to take that chance and watch the room empty out and be sad. Oh, I wasn't sad that I was going to be teaching to an empty room. I was sad that people didn't want to pray. And that, not only did they not want to pray, but their response was, I won't pray. Or perhaps even more common, I won't give. Or perhaps even more common, I won't sing. Or perhaps even more common, I won't share. I won't tell my neighbor. I won't help. I won't serve. That's the response to all the invitations within the life of your local church. This is your local church. This is the church that God has chosen to reach this community, our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, our uttermost parts of the earth. But I don't know if you've ever considered, and I'm asking you to consider today, that your response isn't just, no, I don't feel like it. Your response is, I won't. That sounds a little more heavier, doesn't it? It's not, I don't feel like singing today. No, I won't sing. I won't even hum. I won't even make a joyful noise. And yet, 
you know that in those times that you don't desire that, when you choose to obey, the Lord meets you right there and just releases. He begins to work. You open a new channel for the Spirit. And so as we, just in back to that example of prayer, as we've committed to pray, if you peek now, but you shouldn't peek, but if you peek now, you will see a room filled with people praying. Not only will you see it, but you'll hear it because there's a different sound in a room between people talking and people praying. When you hear a louder noise, that's talking. And a little bit of laughter, you'll hear a lot. But when there's praying, it's just kind of like a low hum. And those, those prayers are going up into the presence of the Lord like incense. And he hears every single one of them. And he answers them according to his will. And it's the invitation. It's the invitation. This invitation from King Nebuchadnezzar does not represent the God of heaven. God does not force you to do anything. And may the Lord stop pastors and leaders and those in churches trying to force you to do something that God doesn't even force you to do. He invites us. He says, come on in. The veil is torn from top to bottom. Come in and worship and be refreshed and be encouraged and participate in the life of the church. Don't respond with, I won't pray, because that's not a position of worship. And don't respond with, I won't sing, because that's not a position of worship. And don't respond with, I won't give or I won't serve, but rather lay those attitudes and lay those feelings and lay those hurts perhaps or those fears, those fears before the Lord and step into them and watch God strengthen you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, you must decide each in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God loves a person that worships cheerfully. And God loves a person that serves, cheer, uh, serves cheerfully. And God loves a person that ha- takes in communion cheerfully. He loves the cheerful response. He loves the cheerful worshiper. And I know part of my worship here is a regular ongoing prayer that your hearts will be touched by the Lord. Sometimes I refer to that as that God will just flip that switch inside of you. It's just the switch of no going back. It's the switch of all going all in as we, a study made that the theme of our church not too many years ago. Just, just decide, go all in. Go all in with your life. And we don't need to hear your commitment. We don't need you to write it down. You know what it is, and we'll get to enjoy it. I always love to thank people for their faithfulness to the Lord. I, I like to say something like this. You know, thank you for your faithfulness for the, to the Lord and your obedience to Jesus because we get to enjoy the fruit from your life. It's not rotten fruit. It's good fruit. It's not a shriveled up vine, but it's one that's lush where the branches are bending down. And whether we get to see it or not, we, we get to watch the fruit of your life. And whether we get to see you at work or not, we hear of it and the testimony and the witness. It seems as if every week on my heart, I'm asking the Spirit of God would grab you and grasp you and grow you so that you won't be, if God gives me 20 more years, you won't be who's in my mind. I have this photographic memory where I remember images and I remember time periods and I remember where we were, and I may not remember all of the details, but I have these images in my mind. So when I was sharing with you some of the people, I remember them. And I hope 20 years, if that's, if the Lord, you know, first of all, I hope Jesus Christ returns before 20 years, okay? My hope is his return. 
That's not, we are, we, we are looking for the blessed hope. But should we get another 20 years, I don't want you, the precious saints here today, to be on my mind to think, man, they were so faithful. It was just so beautiful to see the change in their life, the addictions that they kicked and, and the rescuing of their marriage and the testimony of their life. But then I look out and I go, yeah, I, I've heard about them. They left here all bitter and angry and they didn't resolve things or they got into something or they hung out with this group of people and now they're an atheist. Now they're an atheist. And may the Lord guard and protect our hearts that we might persevere. I want you to notice here one more thing before we head out, and that's the power of music. The power of music. I have like a godly envy for a guy like Ian or the men and women on our worship team because of their talent in music. I have no talent in music, and if you've ever heard me sing with, I accidentally keep my mic on, you would agree. <laughs> I, I don't have the ability, even though I've tried at various times in my life, I don't have that in me. Uh, although I do sound like uh, the CD when I sing in the shower, <laughs> but that's about it. And I have this, I have this joy when I, I, I'm able to come into a room, and, and I think you'd probably say the same thing, music moves me. Music can move me. You know, when I wasn't a believer, music moved me. All the 80s music is the soundtrack of my sinful life. And it moved me. And it influenced me. And now today, the music of Jesus influences and moves me. And it, it, is, able to, it is able to take, however I walk into the room, even resisting, you know, even with a resistant heart, even maybe I'm at a place where I won't. And we start off with music because it has a way of moving us and preparing us for God's word. And I, it's powerful. And Nebuchadnezzar used music to move the people. Music was the cue. It was what moved them. The music was used to appeal to their flesh, to soften them up, even as secular music today can be used to influence the masses. And you say, Ed, why do you use the word secular? Well, when I use that word, I'm referring to a genre of music that simply does not in any way promote the love, grace, mercy, and character and nature of God. All that music. Music that's been born from our culture, that's been birthed from our culture. Music that's been birthed by those that have no reverence, no respect, no worship of God. That music still moves us. And so here Nebuchadnezzar is using music that appeals to the flesh because music is a powerful spiritual means that can be used both by the kingdom of light and also the kingdom of darkness. I see today so much around us as the temptations are around us with the enemy is always playing his music. Always playing his music. This would be a great opportunity for a real cheesy joke about country music. <laughs> but then I'd lose the point that I'm making. It's not about a particular genre of music. It's what our parents used to tell us that we didn't agree with them. It's the lyrics. The tempo and all of that gets our attention so that the lyrics are fed into us. And I remember my parents listening to some of my music growing up and going, oh, I don't listen to that. It sounds horrible. And I go, oh, mom, I don't listen to the lyrics. 
But if we played a little game of name that tune today, there are a lot of lyrics in my mind that don't glorify God, that have been embedded inside of my fleshly brain. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But my brain still has a lot of the flesh. Does your brain? Anybody get a new brain? All right. It's like, man, maybe God's doing something special. No, we all have the same brain. You know, according to Ezekiel, you can jot it down, according to Ezekiel chapter 28, the devil was a musician. Some suggest that the devil was the chief musician of heaven before he was cast out. And sometimes we like to joke, Satan was a worship leader, but he wasn't after he fell. He glorified God until pride got the best of him. He was an anointed musician. Why? Because God loves music. God loves music. It's a blessing to use music to praise the Lord and honor him. It's a blessing to use music, but the devil also understands the power of music. And so there's a constant battlefield when it comes to music. And it's being used. It's true that music has the power to motivate you in worship with great intensity, or as in Nebuchadnezzar we see, can cause you to fall down in idolatry. And it's my prayer that no one here underestimates the effect of music on your hearts, on your minds, and your souls. According to Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, a good, Jesus taught us, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, but an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Or you may have memorized that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our hearts are like precious empty treasure chests. What will we store there? What will we deposit there? And there's music that will draw us away from God. There's music that can take us to God in adoration and submission. And that's why, within the context of worship, our times together as we gather in this larger gathering, you know, when we come together as the church, we sing. And we place a great emphasis of singing and learning new songs where the lyrics praise God. We literally set that time aside so that we might seek the Lord together in song with music softening our hearts and strengthening our faith. And even over the years, as I've served with Ian for many, many years now, we've seen things ebb and flow where it's just been kind of naturally where sometimes there'll be more music and, and less time in teaching, and then there'll be other times where there's more teach time in teaching and less music, and we don't really schedule that. We don't sit around and say, okay, this is exactly what I want you to sing it this way and how you want to sing it that way. On, on occasion, we do sit down and go, try to hit this time, but, but I'll watch Ian sometimes, and I'll just see him so caught up in the presence of the Lord, and he wants us to go with him. And he's not looking at that big clock on the back wall back there that's always reminding me, you're running out of time. You're running out of time. He doesn't, he's so caught up in the Lord. And his desire is to bring you into the presence of the Lord. And sometimes it's like we had today. We have a person up here with a guitar. And other times it's a full worship team. Other times all the lights and different colors are on and sometimes the lights are moving and maybe there's haze on the stage to accentuate the lights and sometimes um, there's a male leading, sometimes there's a female leading, sometimes um, it, it varies and I've always appreciated that in our church. It varies that we can worship with a large group, we can worship with a small group and in 20 years I've never had to lead worship so I don't know if we could worship with me leading. But if I had to, I'd try. 
I would give my best. And I'm sure I'd get a few emails, but I think most of you would join me. I'd do it, whatever the Lord would lead us to do. I think it would be okay. I think God would honor our desire to worship Him. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com sometime today if you'd like a replay, or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora and download that today. Well, Pastor Ed, you showed us today that music is a powerful tool. We noticed how King Nebuchadnezzar used music to move the people to worship a false image. Do we see the same sort of thing happening today? Maybe not to a gold statue, but something equally destructive to our lives. Well, Larry, you know there isn't any one of us listening that hasn't been affected by music in one way or another. Of course, for those of you that love Jesus Christ, maybe born into a Christian home, predominantly music has been used to help you worship, help you grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For those of us that got saved a little later in life, um, there is a soundtrack to my sinful life. And it was all the music that I grew up with. It was the music we played while we made bad decisions. And I can hear a song, you know, shopping in the supermarket or walking through a Walmart. And I'm like, oh man, that song can prompt a memory. So the world understands the power of music and the world system, the culture, and music today both glorifies God, of course, but also music today predominantly in our secular culture promotes things that are anti-God and promotes things that are anti-Christ. And it's unfortunate. Music today certainly sets the mood for all sorts of sinful behavior. I'm not the arbiter as a pastor, even as a fellow believer. I'm not the one that says, listen to this music, don't listen to that music. But you have a greater arbiter, and that is the presence and person of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And whether sometimes I'm asked, is it okay to listen to secular music? The answer is yes. It is okay to listen to music that isn't necessarily on Grace FM or on your Christian station right now or on K-Love. It's okay to listen to music that is not Christian in origin or not Christian in lyrics. However, you want to be very careful where that music takes you, where that song takes you. Does it inflame the passions of the flesh? Does it inflame sinful desires? Obviously, we want to stay away from that want to stay away from those things that don't glorify God. But there's, a, there's music that spe- there's music without lyrics that are written with, by unbelievers. There's music that have generic uh, lyrics. They have music that describes everyday life. Like, so, so yes, music can be used to move culture. Music can be used to uh, cause culture to bow down to false idols of money, of passion, of sex, of lust. Yes, and we want to stay away from those things. You know, the Holy Spirit will lead us. And yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of music being used to worship golden statues, although in some false religions, music is used to encourage people to bow down to statues. However, we just need to be careful. Uh, I forget who it was, but uh, I picked up along the way. We got to be careful what comes in the eye gate, what comes in the ear gate, uh, because the battles in the mind and those things Uh, allow things to get into our minds, and we just want to keep the helmet of salvation on, seeking the Lord, and walking uprightly, the Bible says, or in one translation, circumspectly. We just want to be careful and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, and in these last days especially. 
So thanks for asking. Great question. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that's inspirational, to put it mildly. It's Standing in the Fire by Tom Doyle. There is no doubt we live in a dangerous world with a virus that's hard to contain, civil unrest, and people doing harm to others. It would be easy for us to be paralyzed by fear, but there's another way to go, and that is to stand courageously. This book will encourage you to be courageous and realize you're a victor in Christ. Request a copy of Standing in the Fire when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get the word out on stations like this one. As you partner with us, it's thrilling to see how God uses it to bless and encourage so many lives through the radio and Internet. Another convenient way to make a donation is online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, we'll put a bookmark where we left off today in Daniel and join us next time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor as there is so much more to come. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.